Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. Here's another new episode for you. And before we start, let me just uh, tell you about uh, the sponsor of this one, and that is italki. With uh, italki, basically you can sort of practice English over the internet. It's very convenient. You can either get lessons with a qualified teacher through Skype, or you can have conversations with native English speakers, and those those are cheaper than the teachers. Or you can find language partners, for example, native English speakers who want to learn your language, and you can get together with them and do language exchanges over Skype, where you speak in English for a while, you speak in your language for a bit, so you can mix it up, you can learn English, and you can sort of help someone, help an English person learn your language, and that's free. Um, anyway, check it out. Um, at teacherluke.co.uk slash talk. You could make an English friend. You could find a language partner from the UK and, you know, you you could find your own friend who's English. You don't even need to go to the UK anymore. You don't need to experience the dodgy weather. You don't need to eat our crummy food. Although, to be honest, the food's not that bad. Uh, but you don't need to spend all that money on a plane ticket anymore. You can do it through italki. Um, and uh, so if you're motivated, get into it, all right? teacherluke.co.uk slash talk. Uh, and when you buy some lessons, italki will send you a voucher, which is worth about $10 as a discount um, against future purchases. Not bad. All right, then, that's the end of the promo. And here is the jingle starting right now. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to talk about uh, New Year's resolutions. Uh, And I'm just going to ramble on about New Year's resolutions, really. Um, And um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the UK's most common New Year's resolutions. Um, and also, I'm going to talk about some of my New Year's resolutions a little bit. And then, uh, we're, I say we, not we, I, am going to talk about uh, um, some possible suggestions that you could take for learning English or improving your English over uh, the next year or so. Okay. Now, New Year's resolutions. Have you, have you um, thought of a New Year's resolution? Do you have a New Year's resolution? Um, and I know I'm a bit late on this because it's already mid-January. Uh, but, you know, the New Year's resolution is something that you're supposed to keep doing. You're supposed to keep it up all the way through the year, aren't you? Um, I don't think we do. Most people don't. I, th- I read somewhere some statistic that said that only like 2% of people managed to actually achieve the thing that they chose to do as part of their New Year's resolution. Uh, so even though it's mid-January, I, I, I imagine that if you have set a New Year's resolution that you're still sticking to it. Um, what are the most common New Year's resolutions in the UK? Because it's pretty common for people in Britain to make New Year's resolutions, even though they fail to to stick to them. 
Um, it's a fairly common thing. I wonder if they're common in your country. Do people uh, make New Year's resolutions where you're from? And have you made any New Year's resolutions? I wonder what they are. Here are um, the most common New Year's resolutions in the UK. According to a Comres poll, you can see the results of the poll uh, on the page for this episode. And uh, in 10th position is, are you ready for this one? In 10th position, it's other. <laughs> so not very informative there. Other. 1% of British people, their New Year's resolution is just other. What? What does that mean? Other. Well, I think we know what that means. Other just is the category in a set of statistics that includes lots of other miscellaneous things. So other. What's your New Year's resolution this year? Um, yeah, other. Really? Just other? Yeah, that's my New Year's. That's one of my New Year's resolutions this year. I've just decided. It's just other. <laughs> uh, anyway, number nine, stop smoking. 9% of British people choose to stop smoking in January. Um, uh, in eighth position, it's drink less alcohol. 12% of British people choose to drink less alcohol, and probably about 0% of them manage to succeed. I don't know. Um, but it's a, it's, a good, it's a good thing that I, most of these uh, resolutions relate to health in some way. Um, health and lifestyle... For example, in terms of uh, a diet uh, or in terms of uh, taking exercise, uh, stopping certain unhealthy things like smoking and drinking, as you can see from uh, number nine and number eight there in the list. Number seven in the list, spend more time with family and friends. 12% of Brits cho um, decide to spend more time with family and friends, which is lovely, isn't it? And um, I think that's probably a very important thing to do. Uh, they say, I read something the other day that one of the keys to happiness in your daily life is to contact, make contact with a good friend or a member of your family that you're close to on a daily basis, that you should have some sort of emotional contact with a, a close person every day. So call someone on the telephone, Call on the telephone. That's that's quite a good resolution, isn't it, that you could make? Like, I'm going to call uh, my loved ones on the telephone more often. And I think that if we all did that, we would probably feel a little bit more... Uh, either we'd feel a bit more loved and a bit more sort of happy, or we would feel a lot more irritated. Because, you know, family and all that stuff is great, and... They help to give us emotional and moral support, but also they irritate us, don't they? Um, yeah. Anyway, not my family. My family's lovely and we never irrit irritate each other at all, except sometimes, uh, as you've heard on the podcast. By the way, some of my listeners in the comments section of my website are trying to lobby me to uh, have a, a podcast episode with my brother and my dad. Like, we want James and Rick. What about my mum? <laughs> she's excluded from from the uh from the conversation um but people are oh we want james and rick um on the podcast okay well i'll see what i can do uh but it's a little bit like herding herding cats that because trying to get my brother and my dad both at the same time is quite a challenge especially since we're all in different locations but i'll see what i can do anyway Spend more time with family and friends. Uh, a good uh, idea, I think. Um, right. It's a bit rambly, isn't it, this episode? Yes, it is. All right, number six. Spend more time on personal well-being. 
Spend more time on personal well-being. Well-being is like, um, you know, just feeling good. And well-being probably involves things like meditation. It would involve things like aromatherapy. It would involve things like uh, drinking a herbal tea, uh, relaxation techniques, positive thinking. All of these things that promote a general sense of well-being in your life. Mm. Uh, well-being, all right? So uh, spend more time on personal well-being. So people take up yoga or they do meditation classes or they, uh, you know, they they relax and uh, take a more positive approach to life, right? More personal well-being. Listen to, uh, l- not listen to, listen to Luke's English podcast. No, that's not in the list. Number five is learn new skills, uh, learn a new skill or hobby. Learn a new skill or hobby, which is, uh, I guess, language would fit into that category. Learn a new language or learn a musical instrument, something like that. Learn a new skill or hobby. Uh, number four in the list in the UK's most popular uh, uh, New Year's resolutions is take a more active approach to health. Take a more active approach to health. So become active. You know, put on some um, sports clothing, sports gear. Put on some sports gear. Put on your trainers, your Nike trainers. Um, you know, get get a flask full of water and a pedometer and then just stay at home and do nothing. You know, have you ever done that? You're like, this year I'm going to get healthy. And you, you, you spend loads of money on gym membership. I'm going to spend a billion pounds on gym membership. And I'm going to buy a yoga mat. And I'm going to buy this portable water flask. And I'm going to buy these Nike trainers. And I'm going to buy this towel. And I'm going to buy another towel, just in case. And then I'm going to buy uh, a football. And then I'm going to buy these, um, these kettlebells. And then I'm just going to stay at home on the internet. <laughs> you know, we all do it anyway. Learn, uh, take a more active approach to health, like go to the gym, for example. Uh, number three, eat more healthily. Eat more healthily. Fine, I think we understand that. Eat more healthily. No more burgers and chips. Keep it all healthy. Five portions of fruit and vegetables a day. Uh, always a good idea. Eat your veg. You've got to eat plenty of green veg. Uh, and stuff like that, fresh fruit and vegetables. Yes, not so much red meat. Try and cut out the red meat if possible. Um, You know, try if you're eating chicken, it's delicious, yum, 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 but don't eat the skin because that's where all the fat is in in the chicken. Eat the meat. The meat is lean in chicken. It's lean meat, but um, don't eat the skin because it's full of fat. It's delicious though. Oh, yes, it's delicious, but don't eat it um, if you want to stay healthy. Uh, second, um, the second most popular uh, New Year's resolution is to lose weight, um, which is probably no surprise. Lose weight. Oh, God, I'm so fat. I'm, I'm going to go on a diet this year because I, yeah, what's your New Year's resolution? I might, yeah, you know, I'm going to go on a diet. Yeah, I'm going to go on a diet until the 1st of February, um, until Pancake Day, probably, the, which is um, at some point in February. Um, all right. Uh, and then the number one most a uh, common New Year's resolution in the UK. And this is a slight anticlimax because, in my opinion, this one is the same as one of the others. But anyway, it's exercise more. 38% of uh, respondents to the survey said that uh, they intended to exercise more, which to me just sounds like taken. It sounds like point four, take a more active approach to health. 
exercise more. Anyway, there you go. So that's the notice there that there isn't like learn a language unless you include that in learn a new skill, but no specific stuff about learning a language because the Brits, it's not one of their top priorities, unfortunately. It's a bit uh, sad, but because we, because English is so widely used, you know, it's kind of no longer such a uh, an important thing to learn another language, which is a great pity because I think that learning a, a second or third language or whatever is really important. It really helps you to expand your horizons, broadens your mind, gives you a new outlook on life, um, introduces you to other cultures. If you go to language classes, for example, you end up meeting people sometimes from different backgrounds uh, and it just allows, it opens doors if you can speak another language, right? You all, you know this, of course you do. That's why you're listening to this, I imagine, it's for the English, right? And for the the witty banter, but also for the English. So um, what about my resolutions? And let's talk a little bit more about them here. Okay. I think to be successful with a New Year's resolution, you need to make one resolution, which is quite specific, just one resolution. Now, I, I always fail to do this. I'm rubbish. And to be honest, I don't usually make resolutions. Sometimes it's a bit vague. You know, people say, what's your, have you made a New Year's resolution? And I sort of go, yeah, yeah, but I've got to work on my French or, you know, I'm going to do this thing or whatever. It's usually quite vague. I think it's important if you're really serious about it to make one resolution and make it specific. Um, I think it's you're more likely to, to get it. Also, make it measurable if you've got... It's basically the same as creating an aim when you want to achieve something. You create an aim or an objective. This is the thing I want to achieve. It's the same as when you're learning a language. I imagine if you're serious about learning language, you've got an aim, right? Like, this is the thing I want to achieve. And it's more likely to be a success if you make it specific and you make it achievable, okay? So an unspecific aim would be, I want to uh, master English. I want to be, I want to master the language. It's not, it's not specific enough. Even like, I want to speak English like a native. It's not really specific enough because that's just almost un- unachievable, really. I mean, I'm not, I don't mean to, I don't mean to be negative. I don't mean to be, of course you can uh, be able, you can speak English like a native. It is possible, of course. But, you know, I think that there are, a more specific aims that you could choose that you're more likely to have success with. Because what will happen is if you create an aim that's just a bit too high, you won't achieve it and then you'll feel bad about yourself, right? And then come mid the middle of the year or the end of uh, the year, you'll be like, oh, all depressed because you didn't achieve your aim. So scale it down a little bit, make it more specific. For example, you could say, this year I want to um, improve my pronunciation, Again, that's still quite vague. So you might want to say, "I want to produce. I want to improve my uh, my connected speech in English. I want to be able to produce sentences in connected ways, like the way Luke does on his podcast, or like the way you know this other person does that I speak to." So it could be, "I want to solve the mystery of connected speech in English," and then so that's much better. It's much more specific and much more achievable. Because, um, you know, you're, you're much more able to get it that way. Anyway, just some rambling comments here. 
rambling comments about um, about resolutions for language learning. So I think it's important to make a resolution that's specific and achievable. And I'm I'm sort of assuming here that you've got a vague intention to improve your English over the coming 12 months, or at least maintain it. Some of you might be like, yes, Luke, yes, I'm motivated and I've chosen to improve my English. That's my resolution for this year. I want to uh, make my English better. Well, I suggest you try and identify like what's your profile of English like in terms of listening, speaking, reading, writing, pronunciation, um, you know, specific situations like is it English for uh, dealing with meeting situations or what is it what's specifically the thing that you have trouble with and work on that Um, now there are lots of things I would like to achieve this year in terms of my uh, resolutions lots of things I'd like to achieve this year tons of things things relating to my online work and all sorts of other things but I've decided in this episode to talk a little bit about my French and to sort of focus on my French because I have neglected it. I've neglected my French earlier in, well, last year, and I talked to Ollie Richards in, I think, episode 320 something, can't remember. It was the conversation with Ollie Richards, who is a bit of a, um, a genius at learning languages, it seems. And um, he sort of made me promise that I would do daily French practice and I was like, okay, I'll do it. You know, really unconvincingly promised to practice my French every day. He was like, Luke, you're going to promise me that you're going to make me a promise to learn French just for 15 to 10, 15 minutes a day. And I was like, okay, I, all right, I'll do it. You know, like really unconvincing sounding. Um, and I did for a while, but then I got out of the habit and it's really bad. Right. I, I have to say I'm quite... Um, What's the word for it? I've got a bit of a hang up about my French and I shouldn't even talk about it because I don't want to legitimize uh, these slightly negative uh, uh, feelings that I have about my level of French. I'm in a, what's the word for it? Um, I've, yeah, I'm a bit hung up. I've got a bit of a complex. I have a complex about my French because, mainly because I know as an English teacher, as someone who helps other people to learn English, I know kind of what it takes. I know what you should do to uh, acquire a second language, you know? And in fact, I'm I'm always going on about it, trying to help other people do it, but when but I'm not necessarily following my own advice. And so I'm you know I'm I'm not I don't have my French study routine fixed. I don't have it in place. It's not habitual. In fact, my relationship with French is a little bit weird because I feel a bit sort of um, self-conscious about it. I'm too self-critical and I've just focused on all this stuff. I get into a cycle, a mental cycle of making excuses and trying to explain why my French isn't as good as it should be instead of just doing it, you know? And I think that it's really important not to get stuck in that negative cycle of making excuses. Stop it. Stop making excuses and just do something instead. Like most of the excuses for me in French are things like, I mean, let's say, for example, I'm, I'm with a group of friends, uh, friends of my wife and me, and they're French and we're at a dinner party or something and everyone's talking, blah, 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 blah. And I'm, I'm like desperately trying to keep up. It's like I'm watching a tennis match. You know, my head is moving from side to side. I'm like, okay, what? 
yes, okay, I'm trying to keep up. And then after about half an hour of this, I've suddenly realized I can't see the ball anymore. <laughs> I've no idea where the ball has gone. And I've no, I've no idea what's going on. I'm just like, oh, God, don't know what's happening. And at that point, that's a really difficult situation to get into, you know, because what you have to do is just sort of, what you want to do is go, stop, 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 everybody stop. What are you talking about? Uh, but you can't do that really, can you? Because it's just not socially acceptable. Well, this is what you think. It's what you think in your head. It's like, oh, no, I'll just sit here like a, like a little mouse and, no, and I'll become invisible. You just hide. But we really mustn't hide. What we really have to do is take the initiative and just say, sorry, what? I didn't understand that. Or what? You know, just something like that. No one's going to mind. They're not going to mind. Anyway, uh, one, of the, one of the things that I'm trying to train myself to do is to stop making excuses. So stop kind of explaining why, explaining to myself and explaining to other people why my French isn't as good as it should be. And take off the pressure. Just release the pressure. Because, <sighs> you know, we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Especially if we need to or really want to improve our, our language level. Um, we do impose a lot of pressure. And we're like, I know the things I should do. Because, you know, because I've, I've my teacher told me to do it like this. And I know the strategies I should take. But I just don't do them. And then we beat ourselves up about it. And then when we feel like our English isn't good enough, we're just like, oh, because I'm not doing this and I'm not doing this. And oh, it's because it's difficult because I'm shy. I think I must be just a shy person. Or maybe I'm language proof. I'm just one of these people who can't learn a language. You know, like my excuses are, oh, I'm not even going to go into my excuses. I don't want to talk about them. The point is, we need to stop making excuses, release the pressure. Just like, forget about the pressure. Because most of it's self-imposed. So, Stop making excuses, release the pressure, just enjoy it. I'm assuming that you know what I'm talking about here. I mean, maybe you are the most confident person in the world and you have no sense of pressure, you have no sense of, um, like, sort of self-judgment and you're completely comfortable. In which case, if that's you, just, you know, maybe scale it back a little bit. I think balance is a good thing. You know, you need to try to... Um, uh, you need to try and have balance. So you need, we need to be a bit self-critical, but obviously not too much to the point at which we 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 lose all conf- all sense of confidence. Um, confidence is key, isn't it, for for language learning? Um, now, other uh, yeah, I've got other I've got other uh, resolutions about the uh, about my podcast and things like that. Um, I'm just reading from some notes here. Um, all right, but back to the French. I, I want to improve my French because it's still not good enough, even though I live in the country. And now a lot of you might be thinking, but Luke, you live in France. You've been living there for like four years. Your, your French should be amazing. And this is where I start getting into the negative mental cycle because I'm like, oh God, I've been living here for four years. This is embarrassing. and My French isn't very good. It's really embarrassing after four years of living here. And then I'm thinking, yeah, but there are reasons. You know, the reasons are that, you know, I work in English. All my, my job is all completely in English. I teach English. I'm thinking about English all the time. 
Uh, I, I speak English to my colleagues. I speak English at home with my wife because her English is really good and our relationship started in English and it's difficult to break away from that. And when I speak Fring- uh, French at home, uh, I'm stupid. You know, I've become like Mr. Bean. I'm a complete idiot in, in French and it's impossible to achieve anything, you know, because I'm like, oh, you know, I can't, you know, she's telling me something and I'm like, you know, complete idiot. Um, and uh, so these are all excuses. They're not reasons. They're all excuses that I need to stop. I need to forget about them. Um, um, so the thing that I always say, the kind of joke I always make is that my French isn't doing very well, but my excuses are improving all the time. Um, so I'm really, you know, developing I'm at advanced level in excuses now, uh, which is not something to be proud of, you know. So as ever, I plan to stop making excuses, apply my knowledge of language learning to my learning of French without pressure. Um, And uh, Ollie Richards' advice from episode 332, that's it. His advice still stands, of course, and we know that it's true. Um, Add little bits of language learning practice into your daily routine and then make it a habit. And with regular habitual practice, your learning will progress properly. Own the learning of the language. Don't feel pressure. Don't um, don't get into a negative cycle. Just do it. Action. Take action. Um, build on the habits. Spend more and more time per day in the in the target language and enjoy it. Um, you know, do it in your own way. Find uh, resources that you really like. For example, read your favourite book in English and all the other things that we've already talked about on this podcast before. Um, even though I live in France, I speak English all the time and blah, 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 blah. Excuses, excuses. I'm quite embarrassed by my lack of French. So I, frankly, I have to pull my finger out. You know, I've got to pull my finger out and change my attitude. I need to turn over a new leaf. I need to, uh, what's, what other, I need to pull my socks up. So I need to pull my finger out, pull my socks up and turn over a new leaf and, uh, you know, have a real go at uh, learning French uh, properly, applying myself. Um, But I think all of this just shows that, and we already know this, my experience here shows that learning a language doesn't happen by magic. It's not, it doesn't happen magically. I mean, to an extent, there is some magic involved when you are immersed in the language, when you're just sort of using the language that you're learning on a daily basis on a survival level, for example, if you're just sort of, if you're working in in that language and you just have to use it to communicate all the time, then there is what feels like a magical process of development there, although it's a struggle. But it doesn't just happen by magic. You have to work on it. You have to push yourself. And if you're not in a situation where you are being forced to use the target language every day, then you're going to have to recreate that situation, but make it fun. I mean, remember from the conversation with Christina from Russia, it turns out that she learned a lot of her English just from socialising with people and just from being in a situation where she was having this great life with this international group of friends. And it sort of, you know, just she was motivated to spend time with them and talk to them and communicate ideas and socialize and stuff. And the English developed sort of through that process. We need to try and replicate that, immerse ourselves in the language, uh, relax and enjoy it, uh, and push ourselves so that the more and more time is being spent on those things. Um, so, um, um, what else, what else, what else, what else? 
language learning doesn't happen magically. You have to use some specific techniques, work at it, do it regularly, do it regularly, and be organised. Um, and go back to those language-related episodes from last year. There's some good advice in there, even if I say so myself. Um, now, <clears throat> another re- resolution or a, a part of my resolution about French, which should be more specific. And okay, here's my specific French resolution. Uh, it's to, and I, and this is a recent idea that I've had, is to read graphic novels in French. Read graphic novels in French. Now, I'm, I do quite a lot of listening in French. You know, I have, we have, we watch the TV. I listen to people around me. I do quite a lot of listening. So I'm already sort of immersed in the language, actually, even though I could be more immersed in it. What I don't do is look at French. I'm never reading it. I mean, I, I don't read enough books in English as it is, but I'm certainly not reading enough French. I never read the newspaper. Um, I'm really not reading French. And I think that this might be part of the problem, that I'm missing out on the this big aspect of the language by not really engaging with it, with the written word in French. And I've tried reading some books in French, and I find it to be a bit of a struggle because... It's just too dense. You know, when you have a page, it's full of words, and like every single sentence seems to contain so much meaning and and is uh, so packed with grammar and vocabulary that I find it hard to get through the stuff. But I've discovered that graphic novels are a possible solution to this. And I I guess I discovered this quite recently because um, one of my French friends gave me a graphic novel as a Christmas present. And I've been reading it, and I'm surprised that I understand it. I mean, I'm able to read it, and I get it. And I really feel like it's helping, because the conversations I've had in French recently after, you know, reading this book, I feel I just, I feel a little bit more comfortable and a bit more confident. Um, and maybe my problem is that I'm not able to visualize the language, because I think that you know, understanding a language is a combination of lots of things. It's about the muscle memory. It's about remembering the words. But where are those words stored? I think that not only do you have to have a, an oral picture of the word, you also have to have a visual picture of it too. So reading is really important. And I've discovered that what's great about graphic novels is that you fly through them pretty quickly. So you get you get a sense of progress from it. And you're assisted by the pictures and you know the when I say graphic novels I mean comic books essentially but graphic novel is the sort of more grown-up version of a comic book so if you say comic book it sounds like something for children doesn't it but a graphic novel is like a comic book for adults and there are some really really good really interesting uh, graphic novels out there and it's not just superhero stuff either it's not just Batman and Spider-Man and things like that, although some of those are great. But there are graphic novels on all sorts of really interesting subjects and like very touching graphic novels about uh, people's lives and things. And so, yeah, the pictures really help. I know that sounds kind of stupid, like, duh, I can look at the pictures. But it actually helps. And I love reading graphic novels in English. I love the medium. And I find that I can, you know, I fly through a graphic novel in about a a quarter of the time that I get through a book, which is a satisfying experience. And you you get more context with the pictures. You get to see the expressions on the faces of the people. You can see the 
you can basically follow the story with the pictures. And I think it's just giving me that little bit of support that I need to push me and to to allow me to stay motivated while I'm reading. So the, the graphic novel that uh, my friend gave to me is called L'Arabe du Futur. And it's um, a graphic novel about a, a kid growing up in the Middle East uh, in the late 1970s and early 80s. And it's great. It's really good. It's by a guy called Riyad Satouf, L'Arabe du Futur, Une Jeunesse au Moyen-Orient. I think that's how I say it. A young, a young kid in uh, the Middle East. And it's the story of this little boy who grows up um, with, uh, 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 I guess his father is Syrian um, and his mum is, uh, is French. And uh, the kid is born in France and then um, one day his father gets offered a job in Libya like as part of, you know, when Colonel Gaddafi was uh, the president, uh, the father gets offered a job at a university there. And you follow the story from the kid's point of view. It's all told from his perspective. So you get this sort of history, this personal history relating to the situation in the Middle East um, surrounding like Gaddafi's rise to power and what happened in Libya and Syria uh, and Egypt. Um and it's it on the back of the book it says ce livre raconte l'histoire vraie d'un enfant blond et de sa famille dont la Libye de Kadhafi et la Syrie d'Afaz al-Assad d'Afaz al-Assad okay so that's that's like this book uh, tells the the true story of a little blonde uh, boy and his family in uh, the Libya of of Gaddafi's, uh, so, you know, Libya at the time of Gaddafi being president, and Syria, the Syria of Dafez al-Assad. So it's a boy growing up in in, uh, Syria and Libya, and it's just charming. It's really charming, really sweet and touching and and funny and uh, with really interesting historical context. (coughs) Excuse me. I mean, I recommend that one. If you're if you're learning French, read that one. It's brilliant. And I th- apparently there are others in the series, and I'm going to get the others. And after I finish those, I'm going to read more graphic novels in French because the French love graphic novels. There, if you go to like bookshops in France, you find these loads of French comic books for adults, and they're really funny and and interesting and good and a good laugh. You know, there's obviously Asterix and. And, and all that stuff. But I'm, so I'm going to read more graphic novels. That's it. That's my specific um, resolution. I'm also going to try to be more positive and all that stuff. But I'm just going to read the graphic novels because it's going to be fun and motivating. So there we go. Now, why don't you read graphic novels in English too? I mean, you could just apply the same things that I've just said about um, improving my French with graphic novels to English because there are loads of graphic novels in English. So consider that. Consider getting some graphic novels and working your way through them. You will find that they're immensely satisfying and very rewarding as well. I mean, I'm sure that many of you listening to this have got really good reading skills in English and you'll be able to to read, you know, like much more uh, substantial 
uh, books than graphic novels. But, you know, don't underestimate the usefulness and the value of graphic novels for grown-ups because they're just brilliant. I mean, it's a bit like watching a film with subtitles. You know, it's a bit like that, except that it's a book and you get all the pleasure of that intimacy that you have with a book. All right. Um, <clears throat> so what about you then? What about you? Do you have a New Year's resolution? Um, he- here's some rambling about uh, some possible suggestions and ideas for you and your, uh, your 2017 in English. So obviously, it's important to start the year in a positive and determined way and then keep it up. Um, not many of us maintain our resolutions. Um, so maybe what we need to do is rethink the whole resolution thing. And instead of trying to make one resolution last for the whole year, maybe we need to break up the year into quarters. And we have a resolution for three months. And then we kind of revisit that resolution after three months. And then perhaps make a new one or reestablish the old one. Um, So Maybe at Easter, we can all think about sort of re-evaluating our, our New Year's resolutions. Um, I encourage you to make some or one uh, resolution. Maybe make just one resolution about your English. Just choose to do one thing on a regular basis and make it a habit. Um, you could write about that in the comment section of this episode. Share your ideas and give each other some inspiration. I've already suggested the graphic novel thing, but maybe you've got some other ideas. Um, so here are, here are a few ideas as well as the graphic novel. One idea would be to get a Netflix account. I know that some of you don't have Netflix in your countries, in which case you need to find some other ideas like DVDs or whatever. Um, but an idea would be to get a Netflix account and switch on the English subtitles because all of the content on Netflix does have English subtitles available, I think, pretty much all of it. And you can just switch on the universal subtitles across all of Netflix so that everything you watch will have the English text written there. And you should listen to it in English as well, of course. So once you've done that, you've subscribed to Netflix. And I think that, you know, you can do a thing where the first month of Netflix is free. So you can just check it out before you actually start paying for it. Um, And then, um, you know, you switch on the English subtitles and then you just find a show and get addicted to it. Get addicted to a show in English. All right. For example, you could try The Crown, which is that show I mentioned recently about the royal family. And it tells the story of Queen Elizabeth and um, her coronation and the sort of challenges and the historical context. Uh, the Crown would be a good one to get addicted to. It's well made. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's quite accessible. And uh, it's all in English. So, you know, you could check out the subtitles. The English that they use is quite posh sounding. It's this upper class English, but it's clear and comprehensible and, and all that stuff. Um, so you could check out The Crown. And get addicted to a, to a show and binge watch, binge watch that show in English with the subtitles on. And before you know it, you will have binge watched 10 hours, 15 hours or whatever of television in English with, while noticing all the language in the subtitles. You could, if you want, you could keep your vocab notebook with you on the sofa Just keep it there next to you on the sofa. And if you see some bit of language that you think is interesting or you don't know, you could make a note of it. You could pause the video, rewind, look at the language, note it down. 
uh, or note the language down in your phone. Keep a record in, in like some notes on your phone of any new words or phrases that, that you come across. Um, perhaps you could use the, the, the voice recorder on your phone because, you know, most phones now have just got like a simple voice recorder, recorder app. Uh, use the voice recorder on your phone to record yourself saying some sentences with those new words. Or maybe if you hear the word from the TV, you record the TV, you rewind the the video and just record that bit of TV on your voice recorder. So in your phone, you have a list of notes, of written notes, and you have a list of uh, voice recordings. Okay, and you just do that regularly. Little things, it doesn't have to be big, just be like 10 seconds of audio for one bit of vocabulary. Um, and you keep going. Every time you hear something that you think is worth noticing, it doesn't have to be every five minutes, but it could just be one thing per episode even. You, you, you record it, you note it down. Um, and you could record yourself saying these sentences. You could record yourself sort of, you know, um, expanding on the sentences as well uh, with um, something about yourself, you know, so you make it personalized. And then at the end of the month, you review your notes and you review all the recordings that you've made and you review yourself uh, saying all those words and phrases in those meaningful sentences about your life. And that could be a great way of kind of teaching yourself some language. You could do it while listening to this podcast too. Obviously, there are no subtitles on this, but you can refer to the website and often you'll see there are notes there and often you know, a lot of the things I'm saying are based on notes that I've written and a lot of the language will be on the page for the episode. So check it out. Also check out transcriptions that are being done by the transcription collaboration team. That often is a good source of the, the you know, the words written down. So you can see the spelling and the shape of the word and all that stuff, which will help you to remember it. <clears throat> remember that when you're practicing language, like new words or expressions, to use meaningful examples. Make sentences that are, that are expressions of your real opinion or which are about something important to you. You might find that words stick more easily in your mind when you've used them in some sort of meaningful way. Uh, think about one area of your English. Here's another idea. Think about one area of your English that you need to improve and focus on that this year. For example, if you need to improve your writing, um, let's say the writing of emails, if you, if you have to write emails for work in English and you, you really feel like you need to improve on that, just focus on that. Just get, you know, get a book on email writing. For example, you could buy Email English by Paul Emerson, which is a great book full of self-study exercises for improving your emails, Email English by Paul Emerson, and just work your way through it during the year. <clears throat> or if you have a job interview coming up, you could do something like consider getting some italki lessons specifically to practice interview scenarios, or you could find like um, some kind of book, check out Amazon or the section of your bookshop with English books and see if they have some stuff specifically for job interviews or, or whatever it is that you need to do. Go out, you know, go out and go to the bookshop and see if you can get a book about the specific aspect of English that you need to improve. And, you know, you might be surprised because uh, there is a, a massively diverse um, number of publications that have been written for very specific purposes in English these days. You know, the English 
English teaching is a huge industry and there are many people working very hard to provide you with resources that you can use to improve your English for very specific things. It's not just a grammar book. It could be a book in engineering, you know, English for engineering or English for legal situations or English for secretaries, English for uh, doctors, English for information technology, English for business in general, English for marketing. You know, there's loads of stuff. All right, so check out uh, some of those ideas. Um, all right, you know what? That's the end of my ramble about New Year's resolutions. I, I realise that's a rather a sudden ending, uh, but there it is. All right, so let's just recap, shall we? Let's recap. So I talked about New Year's resolutions, and I think that it's a good idea to make specific, achievable resolutions. Not too many, just make one and make it, uh, possible to achieve. And I'm assuming that you're going to make some resolutions about your English. And I suggest you just think of one idea, one simple thing, and make sure that you keep doing it. And then after about three months, maybe it's at Easter time, you just sort of revisit that uh, resolution and just evaluate whether you've made any progress with it. So if you haven't kept it going, just think about why not. Don't beat yourself up about it. Don't get caught up in any sort of negative thinking because uh, that's no good. That's not going to help anyone. Um, and um, so also I talked about my French and how I intend to continue reading uh, uh, graphic novels and enjoying that. And hopefully my French is going to improve as a, as a result. Um, I do intend to do more stuff on the podcast about my learning of French, uh, because I've got, I've got other things to say about that. For example, um, a couple of years ago, I actually went to a French school and I took lessons uh, as a student um, in, a, in a classroom for, for my French. And that was just really interesting because obviously I'm an English teacher and I'm usually the teacher in that situation. But uh, in this case, I was sitting down in the class like one of the other students and it was just a really interesting situation to find myself in. And so it just made me think about using the classroom as a language learning resource. And it made me think about what it's like from the perspective of the learner of uh, it. What it made me think about what it's like from the perspective of the language learner. And so I wrote down lots of notes during the class. In many cases, I was writing little notes down about, you know, ideas and things that I'd noticed about the teacher and all these things and about my French and stuff like that. So I do plan to do that uh, in the coming months uh, at some point. Um, okay, I think that's it, right? I think that's it. Okay, then. There'll be more stuff, there'll be more stuff coming up uh, soon, including uh, some content with my dad and hopefully content with my brother, but I can't make any promises because uh, that's not been recorded yet. Um, and just the usual things that you've come to expect from episodes of Luke's English Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for choosing to listen to this podcast. And I hope that you, you know, find that it's genuinely useful for your English. Um, I look forward to seeing comments arrive in the comments section. And um, it's, it's great to see that uh, the comments section is alive with conversation these days. And there are some very encouraging and chatty people writing messages in there. And in fact, in many cases, everyone's just talking to each other. 
it's not just talking to me. Everyone's having conversations with each other. And I'm just like, okay, carry on. Just carry on, you know. Um, so that's good. Don't forget also to join the mailing list if you haven't done that. It's just convenient for you because when I upload an episode, uh, you'll find an, in, an email automatically sent to your inbox with a link to the page for that episode. So you can check out notes and transcriptions and other things. Okay. All right, then. So I've been standing up on my feet in the kitchen while recording this and the previous episode. And I have to say, I'm a little bit tired now. So I'm going to sit down and take the weight off my feet. All right, then. Okay. So have a nice evening, morning, day, afternoon or night or whatever it is that you're doing and whatever time of day it is. And thanks for listening. But for now, goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.